Thinking aloud. Conversations on the leading edge of knowledge and discovery with psychologist Jeffrey Mishlove. Hello and welcome. I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. Today, we'll be talking about the Fatima prophecies. My guest is my good friend James Tunney, author of The Mystical Accord, Sutras to Suit Our Times, Lines for Spiritual Evolution, as well as The Mystery of the Trapped Light, Mystical Thoughts in the Dark Age of Scientism. His other books include Empire of Scientism, Tech Bondage, Human Entrance to Transhumanism, as well as two dystopian novels, Blue Lies September and Ireland. I don't recognize who she is. Of course, for those of you who are regular viewers of New Thinking Aloud, you know that James is something of a Renaissance man, an Irish barrister, an artist, and a poet. He lives in Gothenburg, Sweden. And now I'll switch over to the internet video. Welcome, James. It's a pleasure to be with you once again. Great to be with you again, Jeff. And I promise I won't try and convert you during the program. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, my wife, Janelle, is a, uh, what we call an ex-Catholic, and there's no ex like an ex-Catholic, as far as I know. Yes, she talked to me about that. We had a, we had a little conversation about that when I was in Albuquerque. But when we're talking about the Fatima prophecies, I'm under the impression, particularly the Fatima miracles, are of uh, great interest to everybody, regardless of their religious background. I come from a Catholic background, and I have, for example, recently, I, 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 for the first time in decades, I was invited to uh, an old Rite Latin Mass, and, and uh, I went to that, and, and a couple of weeks after, the bishop banned them. <laughs> they banned the, oh, no. um, So they don't like the old stuff in the Catholic Church, which is quite surprising. But, but I come from a Catholic background, and so I would be dis disposed in a way when I was, I was growing up. I remember, for example, my mother had candles under... She was under the bed one time, and I said, what are you doing? And she, she was... Uh, you know, a lot of old women in Ireland, or women in Ireland used to have things under the bed. And she had, she said, I have candles. And I said, why is that? And she said, it's because of the Fatima prophecy. And I was uh, very skeptical. And I said, that's not going to happen. She told me what she thought was going to happen. And I said, that's not going to happen. And now, afterwards, I would have put with commas in your lifetime, maybe. <laughs> 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 the, the, the point is that it's of general interest. It's interesting that the name Fatima is the name of the prophet's uh, Muhammad's daughter as well. So that refers back to the, the time of the Moorish control of the Iberian Peninsula. So that element is there. And of course, when we're talking about the Virgin Mary, we're talking about someone that comes from the, uh, Judaism, uh, Judaism and, and the Jewish uh, culture. So we have all the a link with all the monotheistic religions. And I actually think that there are broader dimensions. But in relation to your enterprise, I think this has is a, ch a great challenge for the enterprise of or the endeavor of parapsychology, and I'm, I'm going to suggest as well 
that it's in some ways some of the weaker elements of parapsychology are shown by the approach in in the in the study so when when i'm talking about these issues i'm not doing so from a catholic perspective or trying to sell catholicism or defend catholicism but trying to look at the phenomena uh, themselves and so it, it's of interest across the board now it's very funny when we start talking about the the, the issue it wasn't on the public radar recently. And as we speak, there's a ceremony going on in the Vatican, which is significant for Catholics and, and, and other people around the world. So there are millions of people who would be tuned into that. So that was a strange uh, synchronicity. And, and you didn't know the time of that when you said this time. So uh, it's it's it has to be looked at. It's a phenomenon that has to be looked at by anybody. And what, I'm not saying that you have to come to a conclusion but I think that uh, it's well worth thinking about. Well, I, I will add just one point. Having been raised conventionally in a conservative Jewish synagogue in the Midwestern United States back in the 1950s, that, uh, of course, I was taught to, to say the various prayers in the Hebrew language. And if Jewish authorities had said, we're going to stop using Hebrew from now on and just use whatever local language the community is in. There would have been an uproar. That's a very good point. I hadn't thought about that. Yes, I think it's, uh, that is an issue that we may uh, come back to in relation to the tensions within the Catholic Church, which are very real and are, are very interesting. And they are they are in the context and they inform, a lot of people don't understand this, that they inform a lot of the discussions about issues such as the New World Order and all these globalization. They're a lot deeper. The Catholic Church is also a very significant player in international affairs and a lot of people forget that. And a lot of people forget about the power of certain organizations associated with it. And they have views and are involved in the major political issues and are leaders on some issues that a lot of people don't understand. So some of the individuals and contexts and, and discussions about Fatima are in a much wider context. And in particular, the, uh, the, the similarity or, or the parallels between the, the phenomena in, in 1917 and the rise of Bolshevism, that's, that's a context that's very important. Well, I suspect that probably half of our viewers won't know about what occurred, uh, the miracle at Fatima uh, in 1917. So that, that would be a good starting point. The miracle of Fatima uh, occurred on October 13th. And actually, it's the end of a, a series. So it's the end of a trajectory. So uh, in a way, we have to go back a little bit before that. So we have to go, I know people, young people might say, well, that's a long time ago, uh, but uh, my father was born in 1918, so my grandmother would have been carrying him during the, uh, at the end of, uh, of this period. It's not a long time ago. The First World uh, War was going on, and when my father was growing up in Dublin, there was, uh, there was people who had come back from the First World War with shell shock wandering around. So that was the, the, it's not that far away. And as well, rural Ireland, in many ways, was very, very similar and very recognisable to the the context in Fatima and Portugal and, and, and the end of that uh, rural uh, traditional society. Uh, and uh, so the war context is, is very, very important. And uh, as I said, the, the, the rise or the changes in Russia were very, very important. The provisional government in February uh, with, with Kerensky 
led, uh, and then the return of Lenin from Switzerland through Germany up to, up to uh, Stockholm and then into Russia. It parallels uh, these, uh, the, the six months or the six apparitions there. And it's interesting, there's a famous picture of Lenin in April, on April 13th in, in Stockholm uh, when he's you know, discussing about the financing with the bankers here in Sweden and, and, and that uh, before they, he, he returns and they take over in the October Revolution. So the October Revolution corresponds with the uh, appearance of Fatima and that's a context w- which comes in. But I have to say there is a long tradition before that of Marian apparitions, of apparitions of the Virgin Mary. And um, so the, the the what happened was it started in May uh, of that year that there was an apparition to three children. Um, Lucia is the most famous because she lived until 2005 uh, and uh, her two cousins, Jacinta and Francisco. So the uh, Lucia was 10 and they depending on when you measure the birthdays they were, or the, the years, they were eight and seven. So they were very young children. They were looking after sheep. And on, uh, in May uh, the 13th, they had an apparition of a figure of light, a lady of light who appeared uh, over an oak tree in a place called Kova the area, which interestingly has COVID as an anagram in, in there, uh, in uh, the Fatima parish in, in the middle of Portugal, if, if you like. And um, they had a, a profound feeling of, of, of ease and, and joy with the light. And Lucia said that the, the reality of the light penetrated into their hearts and they knew it was the light of God, which is interesting because this is the same phenomenon that we have in all cultures. It's, and then we can link it to our previous discussion about Philip K. Dick and his experience of light. It's not something that people forget. It's not something uh, that's, uh, that's normal. It's, it's extraordinary. And the, the, the lady asked, asked them to come back on the 13th of the subsequent months uh, to, to return to that place. So uh, they, they, they were at, or, or over the, at that time and subsequently there was a few questions asked by Lucia. She asked, would they go to heaven? And in the next, next occasion as well, and she, she promised them that they would go to heaven. And also, I think it was on the second occasion, she said that the two, the two youngest uh, would go to heaven very soon or first. Uh, they, they weren't going to, to, to live long. Uh, and over the next, f- over the next few months, the, there's momentum to it. So the next occasion, she tells them that they should play the, pray the, the rosary. Now, the rosary, for people that, that don't know, are, are a set of decades of repetitions of prayers to the Virgin Mary and the Our Father uh, while contemplating the mysteries of the gospel and the life of Jesus uh, that people do in groups or on their own. And it uses the rosary beads, the beads that are f- the same as the beads that are found in Egyptian co- uh, coffins or found in the Egyptian uh, desert fathers, they use these beads or worry beads in other cultures uh, to, to assist in meditation and concentration and maintenance of, of place. So, so that was very important. Now, I, I just want to point out at this stage, we can come back to that, that the, the word rosary uh, etymologically is related to rose garden. And that's, that's significant. It's, a, it's an element that people forget. Uh, and I want to return to that. 
But for Catholics, it means saying those prayers. The, the, the key element, the general element, is saying prayers and suggestive of the power of prayer. Uh, then she goes on, on the, uh, as well, she reveals that it, it's, it's really about peace and, uh, and war is the main, the main cause of concern. So by the time we come to July, we have the revelations, which we, we'll talk about in, in a second. So she reveals these, these secrets. In August, they, they, again, they, come, they were meant to go on, on August 13th, but they were effectively kidnapped by the local administrator who took them off and incarcerated them for a couple of days to try and, uh, to try and get them to deny this, the, the, this fact, to, 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 that it was a fraud. So they put enormous pressure on the kids, as well as, as threatening to boil them in oil. The children believed that they were going to be boiled in oil. They were in prison, uh, and they never recanted, never changed their story. It was an, an enormous uh, and horrific pressure on them. Uh, and because they didn't appear on, uh, 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 at the place as appointed, uh, they, the, the, verge, or the lady appeared to them subsequently, uh, a few days later. But some people did, or people did go to, to the site because what had happened was the momentum had gathered and the word had got out and spread and there was more people all along coming. So the, some of the people that went there witnessed some phenomena that we, we, we can talk about as well. So the, uh, and the Virgin Mary or uh, the lady uh, uh, said or, or did appear, she, she held up her appointment. And there were some elements seen by the people there. So it's important to distinguish the two elements of the reception and, and that phenomenon itself. And this led up in September. There wasn't, uh, uh, wasn't uh, as important as what came afterwards. It was building up. So she promised, the lady promised, that she would demonstrate a miracle as proof, if you like, of the reality and as testament to the validity of, of the experience. So... This by now had become a national phenomenon. There was newspapers publishing it or, or, or talking about it. Uh, there was people as well. The, the anarchists didn't like this, uh, and they, they were they were threatening to uh, destroy the place. There was uh, subsequently there were, there has been uh, bombs at, uh, at the at the at the site. They tried to cut. Someone came and tried to cut down the trees, uh, but they cut down the wrong ones. Uh, so there's two main groups that emerged as in opposition to this, according with the anarchists and Freemasons. Now, again, I'm not lumping all Freemasons in the one category. There's different uh, groups, uh, but this, the Freemason connection uh, t is important in this because, uh, at the same time, uh, this this was uh, 1917, which was the anniversary of the foundation of the Grand Lodge in 1717, and the anniversary of Martin Luther. Uh, starting the Reformation in 1517. So there was interest in parallels. And in celebration uh, in, in, uh, in 1917, there was a, a march of Freemasons in, in Rome, which said that uh, Satan would take over the Vatican, which, which ties into Christian eschatology as well, uh, which is interesting. So then on October um, uh, 13th was the big event. Now, if the skeptics say there was... 30,000 people. The uh, people that really believe in this said it was 100,000, so we'll settle for 70,000. 70, 75,000, I think, is the most reasonable assessment uh, of the amount of people. So we're talking about a large football stadium. And they come there from all uh, quarters to witness this phenomenon. Now, they're not all people that 
are religious. They're not all Catholics. There was there was all, there, there are studies of who went there and the types of people. So there's every type of people. There were even priests in disguise to as witnesses. There was many many people to witness the phenomenon. So the idea that it was a whole lot of people that were hypnotized by this uh, is just a nonsense. It's not sustainable. And even some of the the most skeptical people uh, witnessed it objectively. So uh, we have many descriptions of what happened, but uh, the, it was raining. The children came there. They said it was about three, there was about three inches so of mud. The sky was quite dark. The usual uh, the usual appearances were at noon or solar noon because the time had been a bit changed in in Portugal to to synchronize with with, with the war time, if you like. So. Uh, the phenomenon uh, starts. Uh, what what happened was that the, the children would would uh, pray, and then the la the the, uh, the lady uh, uh, as it was called would appear. Now, by now, people presume it's Our Lady. That that that's what most people presumed, and and they presumed from uh, from the start. Uh, and she was going to clarify who she was, particularly. Uh, on this final occasion, so uh, so our lady appears to the children. Now nobody else can necessarily see, or they can't really see the, the the phenomenon. And the children witnessing the phenomenon have different experiences. Lucia has the best contact, if you like. Um, uh, Jacinta has as good contact, but sometimes she didn't communicate uh, to 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 the figure, and uh, Francisco had difficulties at hearing uh, the the he couldn't really hear the Virgin, so he could see. So this is a, this is an interesting phenomenon that's underexplored. It suggests a kind of simultaneous uh, variable communication uh, facility, and insofar as the fact. That the crowd couldn't see. That's another evidence of a simultaneous phenomenon of communication of variable, uh, of variable things that it was, it was, if you like, controlled in, in some sense. So then, at a certain point, uh, at, at, it was about one forty-seven uh, is the best estimate that Lucia points up to the sky and said, "Look at the sun," and uh, everyone looked, and. What had happened, according to a lot of studies and good studies from the, the parapsychologists who, uh, who, who uh, got the accumulated the evidence and historians, uh, a number of people said that a, and this was a phenomenon that happened quite uh, regularly, that a cloud came across the sky. And you, you hear this story in relation to UFO experiences as well. A, a particularly dark cloud came, came over. And the sun was obscured because of the, 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 the lack of light. Um, and then the sun appeared. And the sun, uh, this phenomenon happened for about eight to ten minutes. We'll say eight minutes is, is, is one of the, the better, uh, seems to be the accepted estimates by a particular professor. And there's various descriptions, but there's no doubt that the sun appeared, or this disc uh, appeared to move in the sky. It appeared to rotate. There was a, uh, a full spectrum of colors. Sometimes the disc uh, was seen to be uh, pearlescent, uh, opalescent, uh, or silver uh, was a common one of the most common descriptions. So it wasn't as bright as the sun. In some senses, it sounds like a filter was put across the, the sun. Uh, 
uh, and there was some people saw lights at the edge. It rotated in the sky and then it it seemed to fall towards the earth. It fell towards the earth such that many of the people were shocked and thought it was the end of the world and screamed out in, 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 in fear. And of course, by then, some people were shouting, I believe. I don't think there's a lot of belief in that if you thought the world was going to end. Uh, it was, but it was a good tactic to have if you're a non-believer. So they were falling on the ground. They, 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 were, they were shocked by the phenomenon. Uh, they were in awe. There, there was a, I'd call it a chromatic counterpane. There was a whole range of colors that appeared. At one stage, it was amethyst. At one stage, it was yellow. It was the whole spectrum of colors. And from earlier, because some of these phenomena had happened beforehand as well, but not to the same extent, but there were prefigurations. Sometimes the figures appeared or the colors appeared in the ground in squares. So it was really something that we're not used, used to. Um, it, the sun appeared to fall for half the time towards the earth or made three dashes towards the earth and then, then zigzagged back to its original position. Uh, and uh, so, th so the, the color w was an important uh, element. Uh, as the phenomenon ended, a lot of people noticed that their clothes were dry. So there was something about the phenomenon that dried their clothes. So although they had been drenched, they weren't, uh, they weren't uh, wet uh, afterwards. So that, that was a, thing that, a phenomenon that was reported. Uh, not by everybody. Uh, not everyone seemed to have seen this thing, but the majority did. There was the, 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 the persistence, preponderance of evidence was in favor of a consistent identification uh, of, of this phenomenon. Uh, nearer the nearer the uh, the place where the apparition appeared, there was a uh, a description of a, uh, like a roses falling down a phenomenon of like roses, a rain of of flowers, and this appeared not just then; it has appeared it happened beforehand at the site and one of the other uh, apparitions, and it has appeared subsequently. So it's a common phenomena. Not common, sorry. It, it's it's uh, it's a recurrent phenomenon, uh, uncommon, uh, which is described as uh, petals which fall to the ground. They can be of multicolors or, or colors that haven't been seen before sometimes, and they kind of disappear when they come. They they fall to the ground. Now these are also associated with with UFOs as well, which is another interesting aspect. So it was a a multi-sensorial perspective. Loads of people saw it. The phenomenon can't be dismissed as a hallucination. Many of the people were not involved in, in the group think. It was witnessed out at sea. The phenomenon of the sun was witnessed out at sea by people uh, miles away. It was witnessed in different places. Now, it's not, it's not nothing happened in, uh, with the real sun, if you, if you like, or, or this, in, that, in that sense. It's not an astronomical phenomenon. Now, some people say, well, it's an atmospheric phenomenon. It was something, but that's dismissed. There's some of the arguments that it's, it's, it's like we talked about with Columba, the, the sun dog in the sky, but that's not taken seriously. There's no uh, real atmospheric or meteorological uh, explanation for it. And also, the key element is this was predicted and it was delivered. Unlike the prophecies, if you like, that don't come true, the uh, prophecy as well of the phenomenon of the miracle of the sun 
uh, was explained. It was in the newspapers. And uh, just one, one point on that before, and the spiritualists, some spiritualists as well, had said earlier on in the year, there's some evidence that they were saying there was going to be a phenomenon uh, in Portugal as well. So the miracle of the sun is one of the most outstanding examples of unusual phenomena that is inexplicable to science, although there are attempts to explain it, as we can talk about. Well, I think it's also important to add that there were photographers there. Uh, photographs were taken. There, there were there were photographs. There's no there's no real uh, photographs that can prove or, or or can determine the issue. And it's always difficult to take uh, pictures associated with the sun. It's always difficult to take pictures associated with changing lights. The technology was 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 uh, not great. Uh, but there were people trying to trying to interpret it. Uh, so so the photographic and. and I'm also very suspicious about photographic evidence. You know, I'm, 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 so, so this is important because we have witnesses there, and I think that testimony uh, is important. And uh, it's always, and especially these days, uh, with what people can do, but we, we, we're not in a position to interpret uh, as well. So I, I wouldn't have found that any more convincing. There are pictures of the apparitions of the Virgin Mary in, in Zaitun in, in Egypt, it still doesn't leave you in any better position, uh, although that was witnessed by hundreds of thousands of people, including um, people of all religions, because in case people think, as they do argue still, it's only these uh, strange Catholics that perceive these phenomena. It, it certainly attracted the attention of the church authorities at that point. In fact, before. Well, it, well, it, well, it did. So... so we have the phenomenon itself, and then we have the attempts to interpret the phenomenon, and, and, and that's correct. Now, if we take the church, the church is somewhere in between. It's maybe more on the skeptical side. According to the statistics I've seen in some of the, the, the good studies, uh, parapsychology, whatever, it, it's, uh, there was something like uh, 386 uh, apparitions in the 20th century that were investigated, if I'm not mistaken. And only 2% of them were accepted by the church to have had supernatural uh, uh, context. So there was, a, there was only a very small percentage. They are very, very skeptical. They are maybe more skeptical of the phenomena itself than some of the UFOologists, UFOologists, whatever. So um, the idea that the Catholic Church as an institution loves these, wants to use them to, to convert. It's just not true. And there's another element about it, that in a number of these, in particular the one 1846 and Fatima, the, the Virgin Mary, and, and, and uh, of course the Virgin Mary was the, is the main contender for, for, for the, uh, who, what the apparition is about. So the, the, uh, in relation to the uh, Salette, the Virgin Mary is criticizing the church. And as we'll see in, in relation to Fatima, there's a strong uh, stream of evidence which suggests that, again, that fundamental criticism of the church was there. So in many senses, the propagation of genuine Marian apparitions is, doesn't necessarily favor the priest. So the priest the, and the local priests initially were very skeptical. There was a lot of pressure from the administration to deny this. Um, so 
the, the priests were, or, or the, the church was skeptical, as they are, they investigate these things, and they investigated them for, for decades. Uh, and it was 1930 before they accepted it as a, a genuine uh, uh, apparition. So there's a lot of investigation, as there was a lot of investigations into the life of the children, because the two, two youngest children died when they were age 10. And in 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 nine or in uh, twenty seventeen they were made saints. So there was a lot of investigation in that. But as well as that, we have the people who study UFOs, and they, 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 they this is another element that, that we have to talk about the possibility that it could be a, a UFO. But the church itself, it's counterintuitive for some. The assumption is the Catholic Church wants to spread this abroad and use it to get souls in. But that's not doesn't accord with the history and the skepticism in the church. And there's even deeper issues why uh, the church may have may have not wanted to broadcast some of the elements here. They're really, as we've discussed in the past, two important threads. One is the the miracle itself. The supposed miracle. What happened? What what was it that uh, caused seventy thousand people to see something uh, uh, so unusual? And then the the prophecies, the messages received by Lucia, who later joined a religious order. Before I move on to that, I'll just I'll just say if if we, if we look at the evidence, the prime candidate that emerges has to be that this is an apparition uh, of the Virgin Mary. Now, this creates a problem, because if you look at a lot of the parapsychological literature, they try and explain it, but they don't just try and explain it, they try and explain away that, that proposition. So, so, in many senses, I, I detect a, 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 a bias in this, which I would classify as, as consistent with scientism, because the only proposition they won't consider is that it was a real phenomenon. Now, so, there's two main candidates in relation to before we move on to to, uh, to explain the phenomenon one is advanced by people like uh, michael persinger who who attributes it to telluric forces that are geomagnetic forces in the earth in a tectonically active area which influence people which causes them to hallucinate now that, that and i've read his study of fatima i find it very unpersuasive uh and i was I was unconvinced by it. I, I do believe that telluric forces influence people, but it's, it's simply insufficient to explain that phenomenon. The, the UFO, the analogies with UFOs are certainly, can be very convincing because there's a lot of common features uh, between them. And there were, there were aspects, uh, for example, there was a kind of thunderclap heard, there was a flash of light, uh, and these, as well as the phenomena we've talked about, are found in other UFO uh, scenarios so they can't be dismissed that easily and there are some things we can learn from people like people like Jacques Vallée, Vallée have, have said he said for example that if we're dealing with an extraterrestrial intelligence we have to accept that we're dealing with a phenomenon of incommensurability that really we're talking about two things that we can't compare because they're in different dimensions different contexts uh, they have uh, physical laws perhaps that are kind of different or they can use them differently and and th there may be things that we can't understand about that but many there are many books written which says this is a classic ufo and that the figure was beamed down consistently with beamed down from a spaceship the disc was a space uh, uh, was a spaceship that they saw or a projection 
or the mother ship was a bit further away, the angle was 42 degrees to the Earth, and they've calculated that the, there was a mother ship with broadcast and projected down to the Earth. Now, those, exp th those explanations, they're quite persuasive, but where they're not persuasive is explaining the second element, the prophecies. Now, so the, the uh, UFO explanations are often like a, a one-legged man in a two-legged race. It just doesn't deal with the second element. One person that does deal with that, funnily enough, is Eric von Daniken, who wrote those books about chariots of gods. He's still very active. I think he's 86 or something. And he actually pre presents one of the better arguments because he comes from a Catholic background, so uh, it may have helped him uh, be willing to engage with the phenomenon. So he believed that it was a UFO, and he believed that the UFO did give the secrets, and the secrets were about about alien contact and that's why it wasn't disclosed now i will give him credit because he deals with the second element of the phenomenon so the first element was the messenger and the message and then there's the interpretation of the message so the uh, there's been a lot of controversy about that because they were they were meant to be kept secret and activated at some subsequent time so uh, they they were drip fed in a way. The two the two poor children died. God rest them. Uh, and Jacinta, in particular, had a terrible time. She died uh, away from her family. This was the time of the Spanish flu. So I think even person personger claims she had cancer. I don't see any evidence of that. But she was brought off, age ten, alone to to Lisbon. They operated on on, on her, and they uh, they did some things without general anaesthetics because of her medical opinion at the time. She never changed her view and she, she appeared to bear it with great forbearance and, and to dedicate her suffering to other sinners in the world. It's quite, it's quite an amazing story when, when you look at the evidence. Uh, so Lucia goes into the Holy Orders and in the she has more visitations and she's told to release the, uh, the, the information or some of the information. So in particular, uh, from the, the 1925, 1929 seems to be a period of activity. And she has an apparition of Jesus. And Jesus says uh, in, this, in his revelation to her that it has to be given to the Pope and that the Pope will do it, but very slowly at some time in the future. So he anticipates in the visitation that the Popes are not going to do it at all on, on this, interestingly. And this is part of the controversy. So we know about, uh, she, she, she wrote in, nine, in 1929 that uh, she began to, to, to explain. Uh, and so what emerges is there were three secrets. The first one was, was not a secret, it was a, a vision of hell. So uh, Our Lady uh, showed them a vision of hell. Now you can say, well, what was the purpose of that and what was that? that that's another issue. But the, uh, it wasn't a nice place. It, it was hell and it, it was emphasizing that uh, hell exists. Uh, now you can interpret that in a number of ways. You can interpret that as an internal psychological hell that people without spirituality suffer or are going to suffer. You can interpret it as uh, physical hell on the earth created by failure to obey spiritual principles or you can create it by a description of a state which exists afterwards it's not necessary you, you don't have to say that god is going to punish you and send you to hell you can interpret it in a way which suggests that 
we enter into states which persist in, in the afterworld. And they're not as punishment, but they're just states of being that we find it hard to escape. And in there, their souls are, 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 are entrapped, imprisoned and punished by demons. So there's, so there's different elements. So that's a part of it. The second element was about uh, the need to consecrate the world and, uh, or to dedicate the world to the Virgin Mary. Now, the Virgin Mary in Catholicism uh, and in some senses in Islam as well, which is important in Islam as well, is a mediatrix. It means she's in between and representative of uh, humans in their relationship with God because she was a mortal. She is Theotokos. She, she was the God-bearer, uh, if you like, in, in Catholic theology. So she is a particularly, uh, that idea of redemptrix or, or uh, mediatrix is, is an important one. So she, uh, she was emphasizing that. But in particular in that one, she said that, um, that the errors of Russia uh, were, uh, had to be dealt with and that Russia should be consecrated to her Immaculate Heart. Now this was the, the Immaculate Heart. If you like, in a, in a reference or a comparison with Buddhism, it's referring to the state of being of a very elevated individual that we aspire to. That's the same idea in certain elements in Buddhism that you 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 concentrate on the pure heart of, of the individual. It, it, it's that kind of idea, and associated with that, there was a series of uh, of well, there was the revelation itself, and these occurred in the revelations occurred or secrets were disclosed in July uh, 1917, and so it's we're talking about a decade later that she's getting around to uh, re reveal them as she's told to, and it was about the need to consecrate Russia. So the 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 general implications or reading of that is that it was seen to be a response to the rise of Bolshevism in in uh, in Russia. And I wouldn't just confine it to Bolshevism. I believe this is a this this goes back to a key a key era in human development, the 1860s. And a lot of these goes back to the 1860s. It's about the rise of materialism, really. That that that's the core element. And a particular politicization and a particular manifestation was in relation to Bolshevism. And of course, there was great persecution of religion uh, uh, by the Bolsheviks. And, and that's that's the context. So uh, associate with that, Lucia said that the uh, the errors of Russia would be spread around the world uh, uh, if it wasn't consecrated uh, to the, the, the Mac of the Heart. And she seems to have said, an in, or she, she did say that uh, this meant that communism would be spread around the world. Now, of course, if you're a communist, you're going to say, well, hello, this is all, you know, uh, hypnotic stuff. It's it's manipulation. It was done. Well, one can say that. And one might attribute it towards the Jesuits who had the, the same view of hell you can find in James Joyce, who went to the Jesuits. And, and uh, like a lot of other intellectuals, they managed to talk him out of Christianity <laughs> the same as they did to Bishop Pike. They have, a, they have a habit of doing that, but that's another story. So... Um, so, so it's about the consecration of Russia. Now, what's happening as we speak is that the Pope is doing what he believes was asked of him. He is trying to consecrate, uh, well, he is consecrating Russia and the Ukraine towards the Immaculate Heart of, of the Virgin Mary. Now, this is the fifth time it's done. Uh, and the 
if you like, legalists or people who read what Lucia uh, said, they say that it hasn't been done correctly. Pope John Paul, remember, in uh, 1981, he was shot on May uh, May 30 on the anniversary, on the Fatima anniversary, and he believes that he believed that his life was saved uh, because of Our Lady of Fatima. There's another story about that, and uh, as a result of that, he went to uh, uh, Fatima. There was another assassination attempt as well uh, when he went to dedicate, uh, to dedicate, or to consecrate Russia. Uh, to the Virgin Mary, he he took out the word Russia, and there's evidence that he was under pressure from the bishops not to not to use the word Russia because there's been a lot of diplomatic pussyfooting around uh, around this. They didn't want to alienate Russia. There was there was things going on with Poland, and there was a lot of strange diplomatic issues about it. So this time, the Pope is trying to do it properly, although. Although there's even a controversy already from the traditionalists, they say that in the Italian version, he's not talking about the Queen of Heaven. He's talking about the, uh, they're using the word Earth, and there's a suggestion that from the traditionalists that he's dedicating, or in the Spanish versions, are dedicating Russia to Pap, uh, uh, Pachamama, who's an indigenous god uh, in in Argentina and other other places in Central America. So. But that's what that's what the importance of consecration, the uh, Russia is, and uh, w- we can w- elaborate on that in a bit. And then we have the third secret. Now the third secret was not disclosed; it was put in sealed en- envelopes, and it was she, she wrote down the secret in 1941, and she wrote down I think the third secret in 1943. The the consecration of Russia had been communicated to the, the to the Vatican, um, I think 1930. And some of the consecration attempts started off in 1942. But the third secret uh, goes off uh, to Rome to be opened in 1960 or on her death, whichever occurred the first. So on 1960, the Pope was meant to open the third secret and disclose it uh, and uh, respond to it. So uh, Pope John the Twenty Third opened in 1959 and didn't want to uh, reveal it. Now this creates this creates a big problem, uh, and this creates a major problem. Um, and this is where Malachi Martin comes into the equation. Uh, so so it's a very we have to come back to that. So we have this secret then, which was uh, eventually supposedly released in two thousand, uh, and I think uh, Cardinal Ratzinger uh, presented it. And this was the third secret as presented, was uh, involved a the Holy Father going up a, a, a mountain like in Calvary and there's persecutions and he's he's killed uh, by... And, and it doesn't make sense to a lot of people. So I believe, and a lot of other people believe, that, uh, and there's a fair bit of evidence, that the, the secret wasn't revealed and they they more or less, or some of them admit it now, there was a and in both elements, there's there's a a proposition, and then there's an explanation because it's, it has to be interpreted. So the Virgin Mary gave an explanation, and that explanation hasn't been revealed. So it's the contents of that which is crucial, and that's where 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 Malachi Martin comes in, which is interesting. <laughs> 
Well, let's explain for our viewers who Malachi Martin is. As, as we, we've discussed earlier, I interviewed the man back in 1973, although I was uh, a young college student at the time and I had no idea who this person really was other than he had written a book called Jesus Now and he was out on a book tour and uh, passed through the San Francisco Bay Area. So I interviewed him about his book, which dealt with the varying interpretations of Jesus over the years. Forrest Gump hasn't got a patch on you, Jeffrey. <laughs> <laughs> but it's quite amazing. I remember when I was talking to you, we had conversations when I was over with you and you mentioned, we mentioned, I mentioned Malachi Martin and you said, oh, I've interviewed him and I was amazed. It was, it was incredible. So, so that the, uh, he's, he's a very significant player in this. Um, he was born in Ireland. He was a Jesuit. He was highly educated. He, he was very academically qualified. When you're in the Jesuits, you do what you're told. And they say, go off and study this thing. And, and obedience is the key element. So he, was, he, he studied ancient languages. He was fluent in a number of languages, including languages of the Middle East and Aramaic. And he was involved in the translation of the Dead Sea Scrolls. He works in the Vatican. He's very close to a number of cardinals. He's very close to... Pope John Paul II, uh, and he's also uh, very works with exorcism. He's an exorcist as well. Um, so he eventually leaves the uh, the Jesuits. He retains. He, he's still part of it, but he leaves, if you like, active service, uh, and he begins to write novels. And he, he, I think, he was even a taxi driver for a while in New York. He goes to the United States, and he begins to write his books. And he does something similar to Philip K. Dick. He, he, he seeks to, in my view, explain what is happening in uh, novels. Uh, he called them faction. So the, a number of his books are barely disguised descriptions of the reality that he saw. And there's a number of important points. So some of them, some novels like Windswept House and some books like The Jesuits, for example, uh, explain about what's happening in the church and in particular what he describes is a church where uh, most of the significant players don't believe in the supernatural they believe that events or that, that affairs have to be solved on the earth uh, this is a time of liberation theology in south america where essentially many catholic priests uh, became marxist they, some of them fought in the jungle. They believed that you had to fight with, with the, the peasants, the campesinos, whatever. They believed you had to be active. But they were taking out the supernatural element. And this was widespread in the church. And he, he, he explained that a lot of people don't understand that. A lot of people don't understand that many religious orders uh, became materialist, if you like. And this is, this is a, a part of the, the context. And it's widespread. So uh, he... Uh, just before I mentioned about his, his view on Fatima, in his book, Windswept House, he also makes the claim, now this, this would be very difficult for a lot of Catholics to, to accept, but, but not actually for the traditionalist Catholics, because some of the cardinals even suggest this. And if, if, they're, if, they're, if they believe it's me causing sensation or causing scandal or conspiracy theories, I'd refer them to Pope Paul, who said that Satan had entered the Vatican. There's a number of statements by recent popes that say about satanic influence. 
but he claims that there was a a, a satanic mass in 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 a, a church just outside the the, the the Vatican, 1963, which is associated with a takeover of the church. Now people say, oh well, they, the organizations can't be taken over, but it has happened with certain, and this has been written about in academic literature, how uh, certain interests took over. Uh, certain churches there's academic literature on that so so he's very controversial in that sense uh, and uh, then when he wrote about uh, possession and that and how widespread it was in the United States a lot of people didn't particularly want to hear that so he was very very old-fashioned and I mean he's very conservative I mean on some of the issues you know he, he is conservative you won't find many people that would you know abide by by his views of the world but I find him I find him uh, very persuasive, and why I find him mo most persuasive, if you look at his book in relation to the politics uh, of about John Paul II, he was very close to it, he describes a different world than you see in the mainstream books on international relations. Now, I've taught, I, I taught law occasionally in international relations departments, so I have a look at the, the, the literature, uh, but this real politic behind the scenes describes a different analysis. And he, he, about Fatima, he, he, he said he, re, he, re, he read The Secret, and I believe him. I, I don't have any doubt about this. People then say, oh, well, he's an Israeli secret service age. I don't know how to come up with these things, but they, they try and, and, and denigrate him. I, I don't see any, any evidence uh, that, that justifies that. Uh, I, I think he was an, an honest man. He said he read the, the, the Secret of Fatima. He said it hadn't been disclosed. He said... And there's two elements. He, he couldn't reveal it, but when people asked him, he could kind of say, I, I, I don't think uh, that could be true or, or whatever. So he gave hints. And if you cross, it's like you're, 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 when you're talking about the cross correspondences. I think that's a good analogy. If you, if you cross reference what he said in interviews with Art Bell and, and I think Bernard Jansen and others with his books and the, uh, what happens with the characters in his books, you get a, a, a better idea. And that corroborates for me that there were two elements. That the, the real problem was, he, he said that secret, third secret of Fatima was about apostasy in the church. Now, apostasy is when you renounce your religion, when you renounce your religion entirely. Uh, and, but the problem was not just apostasy. It's, it, so it's worse than heresy. It's not just a, a disagreement about something. Um, and the apostasy, it wasn't ordinary people that was the problem, the apostasy would be right at the top. And this accorded with a long-held argument uh, uh, some, along some of the mystics or prophecies that eventually the church would be ruled or under the control of Satan. So this is talking about, about the upper echelons in, in, in the Catholic Church. Now that's obviously a very, very controversial issue. The second element that he, he refers to, which some people people focus on that more is of a uh, a catastrophe a, cat a cataclysm and a kind of apocalyptic uh, context that is similar to if you like the book of revelations and involves three days of darkness uh, countries or continents disappearing now that element um, it's it's usually referred to or was referred to as a kind of chastisement it was interpreted by lucia as a punishment Sometimes we have to interpret what the interpreters say. I think it could have been a premonition or, or, or a description, not of a punishment, but of what would happen 
as a result of the consequences of materialism and the consequences of destruction of the earth, that we would have a, a, a widespread natural disaster. So I don't think it should necessarily be interpreted in terms of a, an angry God intervening in, in, in the context. And the, the, one, uh, the two candidates that, that would obviously relate to or would come to mind was uh, nuclear war. And in fact, there was releases which claimed to be the uh, Third Secret of Fatima in 1962, a diplomatic version from the, uh, apparently was, was leaked, uh, which in the context of the Cuban Missile Crisis, which suggested that Fatima was, was premonition of nuclear war. Now that could, of course, the three days of darkness would be associated with nuclear winter, the phenomenon of nuclear winter. But there's also the other, if we go back to the, discussion we had about Columba and the uh, the argument that many seismologists uh, and other people make is that uh, if we have changes in the Earth's crust and tectonics and geology that we can have a series of earthquakes uh, and volcanoes that could uh, obscure the sun and of course at that stage now that we've become so dependent on satellite communications, on uh, and as it will be soon, digital currency, everything, as we're built into this situation, that anything that happens in those as a, a result of natural catastrophe will devastate life, uh, uh, life on, on the planet. So, I mean, there is a possibility of reconciling it, but he's quite clear about that. And and the main issue, so so the concern or the link between that would be that the church had failed to emphasize spirituality and it was spirituality was the necessary element. Uh, and it, it, apart from other things, uh, it, it was the spiritual element, which was the failure and was the triumph of materialism um, without having a competitor, uh, which the Catholic church should have been. And the Catholic church itself is guilty and responsible in its own pursuit of power and failure to focus on spreading messages of spirituality as it gets involved in politics and, th and as it doesn't itself believe in, in the spirituality. So he fundamentally believed that. Now, the benefit was the, the Virgin Mary, and, and she said to uh, Lucia that Russia would be consecrated. So the good news was that Russia would be consecrated. So that was going to happen. And in some way, that Russia would change the world uh, in that sense, uh, which, which, which is, is interest. And Malachi Martin is one of the only people from that, the only incident, the only place he pointed to as being relevant for the future, as being fundamentally associated with the destiny of John Paul II, who's now a saint, was the Ukraine and Kiev. He said, I don't understand it, but in some way, uh, Fatima and the destiny of John Paul II, who was, whose destiny was associated with Fatima, is the final element will be in Ukraine and Kiev. Now, he didn't pick out any other place. He didn't say anything. And on that alone, we have to kind of pay some attention to his 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 knowledge, his perception, and his 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 belief and interpretation. Uh, and he's not a man. Who can be dismissed lightly? Uh, he's not fanciful. He's a very, very deep thinker, uh, and I, I think there's an important underlying message there. 
wouldn't it also be fair to say that these kinds of criticisms of the Catholic Church go back at least as far as, as Martin Luther and, and the Reformation, that the Church had lost its way? Oh, there's no question about that. There, there isn't any question about that. And funnily enough, the leading critics were often the mystical and often mystical women. If you go back to Brigitte in Sweden, uh, Hildegard, all the, the major uh, female figures were always critical of the church. There is no doubt about, about this, that the church was wrong, that the church was engaged in enterprises it shouldn't have been. Uh, now, by the same token, as we interpret in historical terms, we have to accept that looking at it from now, uh, fr from this day and age, that since Gramsci in the 20s, when his prison diaries, and he realized that you couldn't have Marxism without destroying the Catholic Church, that the peasants would always take Christianity over Marxism, there has been, there has been an ideological movement to attack uh, Catholicism as a strategic ideological maneuver. Now, that, that, that has to be accepted as well. So we have to look at the sources. Uh, but, but yes, and uh, the, uh, you could take many examples from the Inquisition, uh, the Qatars, the, some of the Crusades. The only thing I'll say on that is people have to look at the historical sources. And I have looked at the historical sources on these because if you take, I'm not going to uh, just start justifying them or anything else, but often the critiques are not founded on the good historical evidence. I'd say go back to good historical sources instead of polemics on this when you're looking at the long trajectory. But, Jeffrey, if you look at the history of the United States, for example, if you look at when, when the, the, the hippies were protesting against the war in Vietnam, now I don't know where they've gone subsequently, but they seem to have disappeared, but uh, uh, maybe getting jobs in the military-industrial complex. But, but look at what has happened. If you look at the Robert Fisk, the Great War for Civilization, if you look at the military-industrial complex, if you look at how many people have been killed by United States foreign policy, uh, adventurism uh, in, in, war, in wars that didn't profit uh, the, the people of the United States, uh, that weren't wanted by the people of the United States, that continue, that, uh, that caused disruption right around the world in the Middle East and in, 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 uh, in North Africa. Uh, there's very few institutions, if we look back, at, have, have a great record. And there is a tendency among among academics and intellectuals in the United States to to overstate the role of religion, for example. They, they always say, well, our religion has caused more wars. That's unsustainable, in my view, if you look at uh, the destruction. And certainly, if you look at the, if you look at, uh, the consequences of, uh, and the people who are against religion, uh, Hitler, Mao, Stalin, and if you do the death tolls, it'd be a long time before the Catholic Church will catch up with them in any, any, any study. And, and this is an important issue because the same people that advocate and support those or certain elements of those uh, will uh, inflate the opposite, the opposite case of all religions. And I say that about in support of, of, of Islam, Judaism, whatever. There's always that inflation. And, and the last point on that, people like George Bernard Shaw, for example, is a very clever man, but he was also a fool. He was fooled by people like Stalin. He thought Stalin was great. Uh, they, uh, or H.G. Wells, they had very sympathetic views of uh, dictators um, that, that uh, they were easily fooled uh, because of their materialist bent. So despite their, their belief in, in reason. Yes, uh, so, so the answer to your question is um, 
yeah, there's there's very the, the, I I I can I can't understand how the Catholic Church can ban its own members from celebrating the Latin Rite Mass, the Mass that has inspired European culture, many of the great works of art, uh, many of the great artists and composers uh, in in Europe were were inspired and contributed towards the development of the Forays Requiems, one of the great pieces of art uh, in in my view. Uh, so now the church is banning the, the 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 Latin Mass, while they're allowing all the other religions. I mean, they're, they're opening up their doors to other religions, even to practice in 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 the uh, holy places. I've seen that in Ireland, for example, uh, and they're allowing non-Christian uh, things in this, but they won't allow the traditional. So uh, yeah, that's an inversion for me. So I I, I I don't have any problem. And we know that, for example, Satanism was practiced in Rome. There's evidence of that. Some of the cardinals, some of the popes were up to very strange things. Now, I mean, every we, we are, there are humans involved. It's a human institution. But that shouldn't obscure people from the, 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 the vast majority of honest, good people that are not doing these things. And I think criticism should be directed at it. And also, the last point, what I despise is a word uh, that I would use in this context, is the people who don't believe in, in, in the things, preach the thing, uh, and uh, are, are, are benefiting from their membership. I, I think that's, I think that that's really uh, wrong. Uh, and and uh, if if they don't believe that they should get out of the thing, it's, it's really it's bad for themselves. It's bad for the institution. Uh, I'd rather them have honest, honest, honest uh, concerns. Leave it. like, for example, Jeffrey Kripal was talking to you, and and he he was entering as far as I remember. Uh, into the church and left it because he didn't and that's the, that's the correct thing to do it's not to stay in a, 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 and seek to achieve some other aims within the, the context well going back to the prophecies themselves if i recall correctly the first of the prophecies is that there's something in the russian culture that needed to be consecrated to the immaculate heart of the virgin mary otherwise this corruption uh, would spread throughout the world and now you've identified that corruption as possibly being associated with godless materialistic communism but might also be associated with the uh, history of autocratic tyrannical rulers uh, that, that Russia has always had long before the, the communists took over. Uh, yes, uh, that certainly could be the case, and certainly the treatment of the serfs and, and uh, the treatment of the Jews in, uh, in, in Russia, we could certainly uh, find plenty of evidence. Uh, although, if you look statistically at the amount of people that died under the Tsars and compare them with what happened afterwards. I think that that's quite revealing. So if one does that, one comes up with a very a, a particular answer. Uh, I was up in uh, in Archangel uh, and uh, in, in northern Russia. And if you compare it to what it is now and look at the pictures of what it used to be, or read books, House of the Divina, for example, by a woman that lived in Scotland, who's there when, when, I, when I was uh, over there still alive. Um, it was a very, very different place uh, then. So, so, so that's true. But I think the word error is, is, is critical. Now, this brings us back, uh, I think, in spiritual terms or esoteric terms, you will, or people will find 
that there is a uh, a context which goes back to the 1860s. The 1860s are crucial. 1863, 64, 65. And Our Lady of Salette, I think, referred back to a time which would co- co- correspond with 1865. And around 1864, we had what was a, an, an encyclical which included what's called the syllabus of errors, which included, these were errors of the faith, if you like, from the Catholic Church, which referred to things like um, liberalism and modernism. And this is the time that modern artists seem to come into being. It's the prefiguration of certain movements that came, the decadent movement. It's a prefiguration of the great occult uh, era uh, in in France, for example, associated with uh, secularism, if, if you like, and a freedom in that context. Um, it's associated with Thomas Huxley and his war on the spirit in the British Empire, in my view. It's associated with the ex-club and the attempt to take the spirit out. It is where psychic research came as a reaction in the 1870s. Spiritualism was a reaction to an effort by science to begin to take the spirit out. It began there. So in the 1880s, the Pope Leo had a vision in the Vatican, a vision of a hundred-year war struggle between Satan and, and God, and uh, Satan saying he could take over the world in a hundred years. If you time it actually from 1863, you re- end up right with the time when when uh, Malachi Martin says there was a satanic mass, and that also corresponds actually, if you, if you, if you in, in to the ancient prophecy about Malachi about the last pope, the last pope prophecy may refer to a transformation of the Catholic Church to something other than, than, than it is in its present time. So the errors in, in, in the doctrine, actually, we might trace back to that. And also another example of this prophetic mode that kind of corroborates it in some sense was Rudolf Steiner, who said uh, that the, there would be a struggle. The struggle would be between the Aramanic forces uh, and Luciferian forces for some people, uh, which would manifest itself in science, and the other force would be represented by the Archangel Michael, which is not confined, you know, it's important in, in, in Judaism and in, in, other, uh, in the other religions. It's also import, important to uh, non-believers, the figure of the Archangel Michael. So, so that's the figure... That represents. So we have this idea of a cosmic battle between forces manifest by Michael and uh, represented on the other term by Aramanic force, Luciferian force, Satanic force. So in many senses, it's the same different different aspects of a, of a, an interaction between two two forces, and I, and I think in some ways they do indicate. This is uh, this is consistent with indigenous prophecies as well, that we come to a point where we either go with technology 100% or we recover our spirituality and have a new relationship with the earth. And also, last point about this point with the earth, uh, I was reading some of the scientific literature about the impact, for example, of uh, drilling on, on the earth's core, fracking, messing around with water planes, dams, and they can set off earthquakes. It's quite established that their understanding that water in the Earth's 
crust and how it moves is related to setting off the movement of the plate and there's thin layers of water that facilitate the movement of the plate. So because of this stuff that scientists, technicians, engineers are doing, intervening in complex situations without adequate full knowledge of what they're doing, motivated by a materialist sense with no sense of, of the earth or the complex system they're interacting with, the, there is a very severe possibility that they can set off the uh, tectonic activity, uh, earthquakes, uh, tidal waves, by their intervention, which comes directly from a, a failure to have a comprehensive view of the complex nature of the earth and of our spiritual relation to it. So I think it's it's not confined to uh, the Catholic Church. It's consistent with what indigenous people are saying. It's consistent when we talk about the rosary. The rosary represents the mystical and spiritual nature of the heart of all men and women. It's there in the Persian mysticism. It's there in the Sufi mysticism. It was actually at the basis of Rosicrucianism and many esoteric orders. Uh, even in Shakespeare, in Hamlet, Rosenkrantz is, uh, is the word in Swedish for the, the rose garland, for the rosary. Uh, the, uh, this, there's, there's a lot more there that's not limited. It's like truth uh, is like a diamond so you can look at it from a number of different perspectives and it's still a diamond although you may see different lights and different facets the phenomenon is totally consistent whether it's sister lucia uh, or philip k dick or joan of arc it's consistent with a higher order and if you look one of the guests you've had on i think i emailed them before andrew newberg who, who studies from a neuroscientific perspective mystical experience and he said that nothing, in, uh, a quote I remember from him in one of his writings was that nothing in neuroscience precludes the possibility of a higher mystical reality. The problem is when scientism comes into the equation and they say this can't be true, Let we can explain Fatima by being a UFO because that's a materialist explanation even though we don't know it, we've no evidence that it's microwave activity that induced auditory hallucinations in the girls. We can claim it is. We can speculate. We can use poor science, pseudoscience, scientism to provide an alternative explanation. The benefit of this alternative explanation is that it won't upset people that don't believe in this stuff and that it's materialist because everyone can believe in apparently now in a UFO, but they can't believe that there are angels. They can believe in aliens, but they can't believe in angels. They, they can't believe in these presence. And these phenomena constantly reiterate the point that the world is a lot more complex, that it's not a, a purely material issue as, as, as uh, Donald Hoffman believes, that it's not just purely a physiological failure to perceive the world, that we are spiritual beings that have this capacity and these messages are available to all, they're consistent in all cultures. They're, as you talk about the uh, cultural heritage of mankind, that's consistent with what UNESCO say about their World Heritage Sites, and they invited me a few years ago to the, the re-examination of, of their, their charter in, in Italy. We had discussions about that. But this, uh, the common spiritual heritage is the most important, uh, the most important thing in this. And that, that's what I think these uh, phenomena, these events uh, are so important.
If I were to summarize, it seems as if the prophecies are suggesting we are at an era of spiritual warfare, and the spiritual warfare, as you interpret it, is about materialism taking over not only our culture, but even our religious institutions. Very well put, exactly. Uh, and not only that, uh, that we have seen horrible things in the past, and, and uh, I'm not going to lecture you about uh, horrible things and, and uh, the, the culture that you understand and what that has suffered. Um, and many of these events are associated with places like uh, Poland or the places where, where, where your family came, caught between different totalitarianisms and, uh, and terrible histories and persecution. And uh, Ireland has had a, a terrible history as well from, from the application of, of, of some of these principles uh, of, of control. And uh, yes, that, that's exactly it. It's as simple as that. We are committing ourselves. Now, even, I'll put it another way. Say you don't believe in, in the Virgin Mary. If you don't believe in the Virgin Mary, the only viable interpretation here is that an intelligent being from somewhere doesn't matter. She pointed to the heavens. Uh, say it's not the Virgin Mary. An intelligent being came here, an intelligent light being, and gave an indication, as often happens in other contexts, that we're doing something very, very wrong with the air, with, with our world, and that that comes from in us. And a key message that she gave was about the power of not prayer in the sense that you go off and you do something private but the power of intention that was a crucial thing that the prayer was significant because not only could you alter other people in the world with your intentions alter yourself convert yourself convert the world to love to peace uh, as she described herself as a lady of rosary but as a lady of peace is in another uh, context that your prayer is powerful that it's your intention. So the kids misinterpreted sometime when she said you have to do penance. They interpreted it from the culture they lived in and, and they were punishing themselves. And she, she corrected that uh, according to Lucia. So what she said was if you suffer, offer that up for somebody else. So it didn't say that you had to suffer in order to uh, appease. The, if you did suffer, offer the intention, if you like, I suppose, a loving intention for other people. So on the day that they were kidnapped and taken away, when they didn't appear on August 13th, when the phenomenon uh, uh, happened as well, uh, subsequently, the Virgin Mary said to the children that she had appeared. Now, other, the, the crowds who had gone witnessed some phenomenon. So there's evidence from the crowds that that same force happened. And she said that on that occasion... Jesus had come with her and there would have been a greater, a greater uh, miracle uh, if, uh, if uh, they had been there. And the reason why they didn't get to see was that she wanted to show that the actions of one man, in this case the local magistrate, in detaining the children could have consequences in the heavens, could have hugely significant consequences. So on both sides, on two sides of the coin, they were shown that your intentions, one's intentions or actions 
affect the world and affect the next plane for better or for worse and that's a lesson the f- the failure to sh- show the full power the failure of the children in that context was to demonstrate that the bad action of the skeptical administrator had consequence now he's not going to care about that but she's making a general point so out of this in my view comes a reiteration of the significance of the individual in their relationship to the people around them that we have much more power and significance than we believe that it's not one of condemnation uh there is ideas of penance and it's interesting that people in the modern in the united states for example they think penance or oh, that's a, a very old notion a very backward notion yet you have two million people in penitentiaries in the united states in the materialist culture you didn't do away with penance you just punished people worse than they do in 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 the christian countries did so uh you do that so that they're funded with 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 you know, tax dollars two million people often for crimes which are uh, trivial uh associate with possession of small amount of drugs while elite groups perhaps like us can can discuss issues associated with recreational consumption of drugs you know so penance happens in the united states but it's a very cruel penance that man uh man inflicts and the 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 point i I, I was going to say about the last point is if you think that all these figures of the past were bad wait till there is no restraint anywhere in the world on the exercise of power over the fellow man when there is no creed which seeks to restrain the exercise of power when power is enhanced and magnified and bad intentions are magnified by artificial intelligence where they have control and direct control into the human brain and consciousness uh, where remember that the marquis de sade was a champion of reason that the marquis de sade uh, uh, he his creed was reason so the world of reason that people are selling you will be in my view a say satanic type of hell on earth and and i seriously think that this is the consequence and this is the warning and it doesn't just come from fatima it comes from a range of different think thinkers it came from people like c.s lewis tolkien who was another person who who loved the latin mass for example when they banned the latin mass after second vatican council i think his son said his his father used to res- still respond in latin when he went went to, to mass he didn't like the the change but he said that the lord of the rings is not an allegory and uh, and he located it more in in christian theology the ring represents uh, I, I, i'm writing about that in the moment about about we're moving into a context of of the giving relinquishing of power to rings to, of power that will control us and will uh, uh, and uh, tolkien wasn't writing about the germans or the russians he was writing about a deeper a, a deeper battle i think now the more i, I look at what he was saying uh, c.s lewis said the same and these people they studied myth they studied legends and they believed that for example uh jesus was not a fiction that it wasn't a myth that they were dealing with 
and they knew about what they were talking about. So we ha you have to be very careful in younger people when the, the easy dismissal of a lot of these phenomena, and particularly when, when parapsychology won't open its mind, when they don't leave the possibility uh, that these things are what they say, I think then they are failing and it becomes a non-scientific endeavor if they don't uh, accept the possibility in conjunction that there are forces that we cannot explain that are supernatural and that are divine and are what they claim to be, even if they're skeptical after there has been a demonstration before 70,000 people uh, of extraordinary phenomena, which is recorded. I mean, there's a certain point at which you might say, well, what is it that you need to, to make a case? Well, James, once again, a brilliant, multifaceted discussion. I have to say, you've probably raised more questions than you've answered. But the uh, good news is that you and I are going to continue these conversations, hopefully for a long time. Sooner or later, we're going to get to the bottom of things. Can I make a last point? I'm probably banging on to, uh, to, to a last point on this, Jeffrey. Sure. I don't know if I mentioned this to you before, but there's one little thing about in August, it may seem to be unrelated, but it's not in the context of current, uh, current conflict and that uh, in in. And, and my family were involved in these issues in Ireland. So in, in 1922, in August 1922, the leader of the provisional government, the, the chairman of the, the provisional government and the head of the Irish army, Michael Collins, uh, age 31, was shot and after traveling in Cork in an open top vehicle, a place called Bail na uh, And he was a charismatic leader that had, had fought for independence, negotiated with Churchill, etc., respected by the British government. So he's, he's shot in the head in a kind of strange prefiguration of the death of, of John F. Kennedy, maybe. Uh, there's some interesting parallels. Uh, and he was fighting against, uh, there was a civil war. So Kilmainham Jail in Dublin was where the anti-treaty forces were. And, and, and my family would have been against that. And there would have been, some of them were imprisoned in that, not in that prison. So there was a description by one of the, the, the Tom Barry, I think it was, who was up on the, it was kind of fourth floor. It was an old, uh, one of these panopticon type, if you like, prisons. Uh, and he was in his cell and he heard a, a, uh, a noise outside. It was about a thousand prisoners. Now, these were people who were fighting against Michael Collins, uh, whose comrades would have shot Michael Collins. Uh, and uh, he heard a noise in his cell and he looked out and he looked down and he said there was eight or nine hundred people there. Uh, the news had come true that Michael Collins, their sworn enemy at this stage, had been shot. And he said he was surprised to see uh, eight or nine hundred men on their knees saying the rosary for the repose of the soul of Michael Collins. And the, the thing for me that strikes, that strikes me in this context was that when we get into conflict that we we become somehow unable to solve them with the instruments that we have of the left brain, of debate, of discussion, of detail, because they're about bigger issues. And that event, for me, uh, demonstrated that at a certain point, people realize that the whether it's armed struggle or discussion or conflict, 
it cannot be resolved on that domain and they had to escape into a higher level and they had some shared sense that they realized that beyond all this issue this was a man that they had fought with in the struggle and now they're responsible for his death and that uh, those issues transcend the issues of politics and that we're, we're, we're constantly were constantly provoked uh, invoked encouraged wound up to engage in war to engage in warfare to engage in struggle and the solution is not going to be there so uh, i think it's a relevant point uh, about this issue well james tunney thank you so much for being with me today thanks jeff thank you and for those of you watching or listening thank you for being with us.